Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. All right, if you have your Bibles, would you please just open up to the Gospel of Matthew? That's the first book in the New Testament. Put your finger in there or turn to the 26th chapter. What we're going to do this morning is we're going we're to be in Matthew a little bit and then one passage in Luke, two books later, and then, and then the following book in John. And we're going to look at a story, one man's life, more specifically, three events in one man's life in these passages of Scripture. And let me just set up the topic for this morning like this. It is undeniably true that our lives in part, my life, your life, that they're shaped by some defining moments that take place. Those moments are different uh, for every one of us, but what happens, and we very rarely, if ever, know that those moments are going to take place, but we're moving along in life, and all of a sudden, there is an event that happens that really becomes a defining moment for us. It's like a, at times, like a gale force wind that sweeps through our life and bends us to its will, leaves its mark upon us. Well, in the life of Peter, there were three such moments, defining moments for him. And what is unique in the story of Peter, now this is not anything spiritual to this, but I I like the connection. Every one of these moments for Peter happened around a fire. And I love fires. I'm a pyromaniac. And I've had some significant events in my own life Uh, take place around a fire. I wrote our covenant that's out on the rock, out in our front, a covenant that we made in 1998 to the Lord. I wrote that around a fire pit in the backyard. I wrote part of this vision statement here on the wall years ago around the fire as I prayed and fought alone in front of a fire there. There's just been some significant moments in my life that have happened around fires. And here, what we see in the life of Peter is that three radically transformational, life-defining events took place for him around a fire. And I want to look at those. But I don't, listen, I'm not looking at them to tell you a story of a guy, a cool story about some fires. It's not why I'm looking there. There's a purpose to that, and that is this. In some way, our story is his. That I think if you'll watch closely, that you're going to see, as we follow his footsteps, you're going to see some of your own. And what I want us to do, it's going to start out pretty discouraging because the first part of Peter's story And his first fire is a painful, brutal story. But I want us to follow him all the way to a place of victory. Because I believe that's where God wants us. So let's just dive into this story.
story of Peter, and Peter, one of the 12 apostles, really one of the most famous apostles of Jesus, just a larger-than-life personality. And let's just look and see what some of the defining moments of his life were. The first fire in Peter's life, I'm just going to title each one of these. I'm calling it the fire of brokenness. The fire of brokenness. It was at the fire of brokenness that Peter denied after spending three years with Jesus as one of his followers, he denied vehemently that he even knew him. Fire of brokenness. But what I want to do before we look closely at that is I want to show you the steps that led up to that fire. The steps that Peter took that actually by his own decision brought him to the place of brokenness. And I want to look at them because we are in danger of taking the very same steps that he took. Let me give you the setup for the story. What's taking place here in Matthew chapter 26. A few hours before Jesus was arrested. This is at the end of his three-year ministry, the day before he was to be crucified. He knew what was coming. And a few hours before he was arrested, he was spending time with his apostles. Some intimate moments together, teaching them some really critical things, the last things that he wanted them to know before he would be crucified the next day. Shares a last meal with them. And at that meal, he tells them something that is shocking. He says to them, every one of you are going to deny me. Everyone. And Peter, you got to kind of get your head around who Peter is. Peter... uh, Kind of big Peter fits the bill for this personality. I don't know how large he was in stature, but Peter is larger than life. Peter is the bold one. Peter is the one that a lot of times opened his mouth before he opened his mind and thought about what he was going to say. Something rises up in Peter when Jesus makes this statement, every one of you here are going to deny me. And Peter Look at verse 33 of Matthew chapter 26. If you have your Bibles open, if not, I'll, we'll have it printed up here on the screen. But Matthew 26, 33. Peter answered Jesus, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. You hear him there? You hear bold, courageous Peter there, putting himself above everybody else. He didn't even stop there. He went further because Jesus said to him when he made that bold claim, Jesus said, Peter, tonight, this night, right now, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. And Peter responded to that and he said, Jesus, even if I have to die, 
I would never do that. Here's a question before we go any further there. Do you think Peter was sincere when he was making that bold assertion? I mean, did he really believe what he was saying? Certainly he did. He was not planning on denying Jesus. He really believed that nothing could move him from his commitment to the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, that right there is step one. Step one that leads us to the fire of brokenness, just like it was step one for Peter. And the step is arrogance. Do you hear the arrogance in Peter's reply to Jesus? Oh, Jesus, they all might do that, but never me, not I. You see who's at the center of that? I'm more committed. I'm more spiritual. I'm more grounded than any of these guys here. I would ne- if they all did it, there's no way I will. You see... Peter didn't understand something. Peter did not understand his own depravity. Peter did not recognize his absolute need of a dependency on God. What Peter was looking at was Peter and saying, I would never do that. He was inflated with his own self-righteousness, thought that he was a good enough guy to withstand the attacks of the enemy and never would he deny. You see, here's a principle of life. Arrogance leads to brokenness. It does. It does. The Old Testament says it like this. Pride comes before the fall. And what happens so often is just what happened with Peter. The step of arrogance is the setup for the second step toward brokenness. Because of what arrogance inherently is within itself. I think you'll understand that when I explain this. First of all, let me read Matthew chapter 26, go down to verse 40 and 41. Look down in your Bibles to verse 40 and 41 of the same chapter. Here's what's happening now in the story. Jesus has led his followers outside of the city to a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's going there to pray. And he takes his disciples into the garden a little ways and he says, I want you to wait here. I'm going to go further into the garden and I'm going to pray. But I want you to stay out here and watch and pray. Be alert and pray. And I'm going to go in further and pray. And so he does that. He does that for about an hour. And then he comes out and look at verses 40 and 41. And Jesus came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray so that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here's the second step. Let me title it for you. The step is complacency. Complacency. 
Now think about how those two steps work together. The step of arrogance, the step that says, I am pretty righteous, I am deeply committed, I am one that is never going to waver. What is that going to breed in the life of such a person that believes that? It is going to breed complacency. Why? Because I'm secure in my commitment. I'm never going to slide off of this. I'm going to remain true. And so I don't really need to worry about anything taking place that will cause me to fall into sin. I am really a grounded, spiritual, good person. And so arrogance is the setup for the second step of complacency. And that is exactly what it was for Peter. Do you see it here? Jesus has warned him. Folks, if you read the account, four times Jesus warned him, Peter, something's coming down the pike. You're going to come under attack. You better be ready. And he even tells him what he needs to do to be ready. Watch and pray. Don't rely upon yourself. Call out to God because you're going to need the help of God. You're not going to be able to do this on your own. Peter, get ready. And what does Peter do? He pulls up under a tree and he takes a nap. Jesus warns him and he goes to sleep. And Jesus comes back a second time and says, Why are you sleeping Watch and pray. He goes to pray again for another hour. He comes back. Peter's still sleeping. He goes in a third time. He comes back. Peter's still sleeping. See, what's taking place here is that Peter has gotten complacent in his own arrogance of his own goodness. He's become complacent. He's not watching and praying so that he will not fall into temptation. He didn't heed the warning of Jesus. The story continues. Soldiers come to the garden, a detachment of soldiers, and they come led by Judas, one of the twelve that became his betrayer. And they arrest Jesus, and they take Jesus to the Jewish high priest's home. This is late at night. There's a courtyard outside of his home. And as Jesus is in being questioned by the Jewish high priest and the other religious leaders who are seeking to bring about his death, the guards are out in the courtyard and it's a cold night. And so they build a fire and they're warming themselves around the fire. Now just picture this scene. Matthew chapter 26 Look down to verse 57 and 58. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Do you see the picture that is being painted here of Peter? What is he doing? What does it say that he's doing? He is following at a what? Church, at a what? At a distance. He's following at a distance. 
He is staying in the shadows. This poster child of boldness who a few hours earlier said, Man, Jesus, if they all fall away, not me. And then when Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Man, Jesus, even if I have to die, I would never do that. Bold. Confident. And now here he is, hiding in the shadows. Following at a distance. You see, the step of arrogance led to the step of complacency which now has led to the step of compromise. He is compromising here. And let me show you that. But maybe as we prepare to look at that, I just want to ask you to think about your own life. I'm asking you to use the, the light of Peter's story And ask yourself, am I taking steps of arrogance? Do I feel pretty comfortable in the position that I am in, that I'm a pretty good person, better than most people? I can can give you a diagnostic question that will help you to answer that. It's pretty simple. How much do you pray? You see, if your prayer life is minimal or non-existent, then what you're saying unequivocally by that is, I don't need God's help to do this. I can do it on my own. This is exactly what's happening to Peter. His arrogance led him to complacency so that he wasn't remaining moment by moment dependent upon the Lord, which led him to the step of compromise. a step that brought him right up to the fire of brokenness. So here it is. Cold night. Guards have lit a fire. Peter, who has been following in the shadows, steps out of the shadows and he makes his way to the fire. A fire that would become a life transformational, a defining moment in his life in a few minutes. As he stood there around the fire with the soldiers warming himself, someone said, wait, I know you. I've seen, you're one of the followers of Jesus. And Peter immediately denies, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Somebody else says, Yeah, I recognize you. I've seen you with him many times. Peter says, not me. Not me. That happens the third time. And the third time, Peter vehemently calling down curses upon himself. If he's lying, says, I don't even know that man. And then guess what happens? Look at math. Look at now. Now we're going to turn over to Luke. Go to Luke chapter twenty-two. It's the third book in the New Testament. Go over to the twenty-second chapter of Luke, and look down to verse sixty. We're going to read sixty, 
61 and 62. Luke 22, 60, 61 and 62. Here it is. Peter has taken the step of arrogance and then the step of complacency and then the step of compromise. And from that position of compromise, he denies Jesus three times. Luke 22, 60 and 62. This is on the third claim that he is one of the followers of Jesus. Here's what Peter says. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Remember, that's what Jesus said would happen. And then listen to this. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine what it was like in the heart of Peter at that moment when he made that third venomous denial of even knowing Jesus and the rooster crows and Jesus is just inside the house and he hears the rooster crow and he looks out into the courtyard and he looks right into the eyes of Peter and Peter realizes that what Jesus said that he would do that he venomously claimed he would never do he has just done And around that fire, he became a broken man. Wept bitterly out of his brokenness. How? Folks, how? It's a question we need to ask. How does a person go in a few hours to being so courageous and bold in their affirmation of unwavering commitment to a few hours later being a cowardly denier of even knowing Jesus? How does that happen? Here's how it happens. You take a step of arrogance and a step of complacency and a step of compromise and it brings you right to the fire of brokenness. And we can take those steps in a number of different ways depending upon our circumstances. But that happens. That's repeated over and over and over again. In fact, if you are a follower of Christ and you've fallen into sin, I... I can almost guarantee if you spent some time and thought about what led up to that sin, you would discover that this story is your story. If you backtracked from that fire of brokenness, what you would find out as you went from the end back to the beginning is that you were taking steps of compromise. And those steps of compromise were based upon the fact that you were living a complacent life. You weren't daily dependent. You weren't 
trusting God every day, saying, God, I need your help today. I know the enemy is going to come at me today. I need your help today. I'm looking in your word today, asking your spirit to teach me the word and to give me the strength to know how I need to live. And then as you look further, you would realize that that complacency really had its roots in arrogance, that you thought you were better than you were, stronger than you were, more secure in your own commitment than you were. Ladies and gentlemen, don't follow Jesus at a distance. I think that's a danger in our culture. I think it happens a lot in our culture. And it happens like this. We follow him at a distance because we want association with him, the benefits, but we don't want the cost of discipleship. We want the Savior without his sufferings. But there's a problem with that, a fundamental problem with that, and the fundamental problem is this, Christianity comes with a cross. I don't mean just Jesus and his cross, our cross. Jesus said, if anyone would follow after me, here's what he must do. He must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Christianity has a daily cross to bear. And if we're not willing to bear the cross, we're following at a distance. Here's what I think happened. I think for a short period of time, Peter's life having been broken there by the fire, I think Peter's life for a period of time was defined by that brokenness. Here's what I mean by that. I think it is not too far of a jump to assume that what's going on in Peter's mind is this. I've blown it. I am not usable anymore. Here I had these great hopes that I was going to be radically used for Jesus and His work and His kingdom. But now I am, I've blown every opportunity. There is no way that Jesus could use me or would want to use me now after what I have done. Folks, I think that is still true of Peter after Jesus rose from the dead and showed himself in power to Peter and the disciples and showed him that he is truly God in the flesh and he is going to win the victory and he is the Savior that they had hoped for. I still think that Peter feels that he is all washed up as far as being used by Jesus as an apostle. I want you to flip over to the next book, to John, and go to the 21st chapter. And I'm going to show you why I think Peter considered himself to be disqualified, having done what he had done. John chapter 21, verse 3. So now this is 
sometime after the resurrection, a few weeks after the resurrection, Jesus has appeared to them uh, a number of times, proving himself to be alive. And... But somewhere in the midst of Peter's life, he's still broken over what he's done. And in verse 3 of chapter 21, listen to what he says. Simon Peter said to them, two of the other apostles, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now just stop there for a minute. You're going to have to remember a little story to understand this. Peter had been a fisherman. And Jesus had called Peter as a fisherman to leave the nets behind to stop fishing for fish and start fishing for men. He had placed a high calling on Peter's life to come and be one of his apostles to be a great fisher of men. And Peter has now in his mind jeopardized all of that and disqualified himself to be an apostle of Jesus. And so he says now, I'm going back to the boat. I'm going back to doing what I was doing before the high call of God came upon my life. Why? Because I'm unworthy. I've ruined it. I'm disqualified. He cannot use me anymore. Here's the question. Yes, Jesus had rejected, or yes, Peter had rejected Jesus. But here's the, here's the key question. Had Jesus rejected Peter? We're going to find that out. Look at verse 4 through 6 of John chapter 21. 4 through 6 of John chapter 21. Peter's back to the boat. He and the other disciples have been fishing all night. They caught nothing And verse 4 of chapter 21 says, And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. You see, that scenario, exactly that scenario, is what happened when the first time that Jesus called Peter to be a fisher of men, that same scenario. And when they do what this guy on shore says, and they have more in their net than they can haul in, John looks at Peter and he says to Peter, It's the Lord! It's the Lord! And Peter goes right over the edge of the boat, dives into the water, swims to shore, grabs the net, drags the net up to shore, and then he walks up to a fire that Jesus had built on the beach. And this second fire became a life-changing moment for Peter. I'm calling it the fire of restoration. First fire was the fire of brokenness. 
Here's the fire of restoration. Verse 9 of chapter 21. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a fire that Jesus built. He had it there ready. And Peter comes walking up to this fire. Now, I don't have the time to read it. But let me tell you what happened at that fire. It's incredible. Let me show you that the fire of restoration or the fire of grace, you could call it, burns brighter than any fire of brokenness. Jesus did three things here. First of all, what did Jesus call them when he called out and asked them if they had any fish? What did he say? Children! Children! He didn't say, hey, deserters over there! Hey, you that denied me in my moment of need. Do you have any fish? No, he said, children. What is he doing there? He is showing that he still views them in connection with himself. He still accepts them as his own. Oh, did they so need to hear that? Because they had all fled. And Peter specifically because he had vehemently denied that he had even known him. And Jesus is saying, you're still my child. You're still my child. Secondly, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And around that fire, Jesus asked Peter one question three times. And here's the question. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He asks him a second time, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Jesus, I love you. And then a third time, Peter, do you truly love me? Scripture says Peter was hurt because he asked him three times, what what do we get from that? What's happening here is Peter knows his denial was threefold. So what's Jesus doing with these three questions? I promise you this is not what he's doing. He's not pouring salt in a wound. You read the context of this. There's no way to interpret it like that. Here's the way to interpret it. Jesus is giving Peter three opportunities to affirm his love because three times he had denied him. Jesus is in the process of restoring Peter here. And then thirdly, every time Jesus asked Peter the question, do you love me? And Peter responded, well, of course I love you. Jesus made another statement. He said something like this. Well, I'll just read them to you. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep and feed my sheep. You see what he's doing there? Every time he is recalling Peter, he is saying, Peter, I still want to use you as a leader among my people. I still have the same plan for you that I had for you when I originally called you. Nothing has changed. 
Yes, you rejected me, but I am not rejecting you. I am giving you a chance right now by this second fire to be restored and to understand my call is still on your life. And I want to use you for my kingdom. I want to use you as a leader to lead and to teach and to care for those that are going to come to me through your message. What an incredible moment that must have been to have Jesus affirm Peter in that way. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the same today that he was then. And I promise you this, if you've taken a steps that have led you to a place of brokenness in your own sin. I promise you this, Jesus is still today building fires of grace and he is inviting you. He's calling you to come to the fire and to receive the restoration that he wants to give you. He is not wanting to pour guilt and condemnation on you. He wants you to come to the fire of grace and be restored and be forgiven and understand that he still has a plan for your life and he wants to use you you have not disqualified yourself you need to repent and accept his grace and he will use you that was the second fire so fire of brokenness and fire of restoration but there's one more I'll close with this. About two weeks later, Peter encountered another fire. Flip over to the next book, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1 of the second chapter of Acts, Here's what we read. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. All of the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem were together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and then listen. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What's happening here? Jesus is fulfilling the promise that he had made to his disciples. He said, when I go back to heaven after my resurrection, when I go back to heaven, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he's going to come down. My Spirit's going to come down and live in you. And when that happens, you're going to be empowered to be my witness. And so what Peter does as these tongues of fire appear, representation of the Spirit of God and land on them, lands on Peter. Peter gets up and he preaches and he takes the net, the spiritual net of being a fisher of men out that Christ had called him to and he threw that net out and guess what happened? 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 People got saved. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Peter got the clue right there that Jesus had decided to still use him even though he had rejected Jesus? Absolutely he did. Peter found out that the fire of grace 
is greater than the fire of brokenness. And that God doesn't just stop at grace. He wants to lead us to the third fire. And the third fire is the fire of power. He wants to lead us to the place where he empowers us to do his work. Regardless of what we've done in our life, he still has a plan for us. He wants to restore us and empower us and use us for his glory. I'm asking you to stand now. I'm going to close this in a song and a word of prayer. As you do that, I just want you to think about your life. What fires have you been to? What fires are you at? Are you at the fire of brokenness in your sin, realizing that you need a Savior, that you cannot do anything in your own power to live the way that God wants you to live? Then what you need to do is you need to come to the fire of grace and let Jesus save you and restore you. And then you need to ask Jesus for power, the power of the Spirit to live in and through you for His glory. Let's pray. Father, I just commit this to you, trusting that you who knows every heart, my own included, that your spirit was just speaking whatever you needed to speak into the lives of these people that you love. I pray that they would respond to whatever it is you're saying to them right now those that are broken in their sin Lord help them to run to the fire of grace be forgiven those that feel like they are unable to be used by you, help them to run to the fire of power, to be prepared and used. It's by asking you for your grace and asking you for your Holy Spirit's power. Let's commit that to you in Christ's name. Amen.